Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Best in pre-owned inventory, they go over every car with a fine-tooth comb. And not only that, they have a great service department. And, well, you know that SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars and satisfying more customers. With that comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. So while they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more due to the busy business that they have when you're a 107-year-old dealership with a great reputation that they have earned. So they're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for that all-important first job, or someone that's just looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746. Tim Newton, the play-by-play voice of Purdue football in a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. As Aaron Judge goes out and hits number 50, that's important. Albert Pujols creeps closer to number 700. The next. Albert lifts it in the air out to deep right. The 450th different pitcher that Albert is homered against. Nobody in the game has ever done that. Pujols is crushing the baseball here in the second half, and what a swing that is. It's a thing of beauty. Wow. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the Tyler O'Neill same swing. You see the, the, the body doesn't change. You just let the hands stay back a little bit and drive the ball the other way. The power comes... No question. And Albert Pujols with 694 now. 450th different pitcher he's hit a home run off of. So you have Judge with 50 home runs, 12 away from a new American League record. Obviously 24 to go for Bonds. But at the same time, right? let's uh, not forget there's that, you know, the season started later. So it's not to the end of September, it's to October 5th. So he needs to find 12 in six weeks, or five weeks, a little bit, it's five weeks to be fair, five and a half weeks, and Pultz needs to find six in five and a half weeks to get to 700. Very impressive. All right, Penn State and Purdue tomorrow night, Ross 8 Stadium, West Lafayette, 805. The kickoff will run beginning at 630 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. On the opposite side, my opposite number is one of the great guys in this business who does outstanding work. That is Tim Newton, the play by play voice of Purdue football. Tim, great to hear you, my friend. I'm doing fine. I have one question, though, before we start. Sure. What do you think Jack Chesbro would have said if they said, you know, Jack, 
you really shouldn't face guys the third time through the order. You think he did that in his two his 41 wins that year? He would not have won 41 games, but he also probably would have told him to stick it. <laughs> <laughs> I think things have, things have changed a little bit since then. A little bit. A little bit. Tim, I've experienced whiteouts, goldouts, mazeouts, <laughs> scarletouts, uh, you know, uh, groundouts. <laughs> so, you know, tell us what it's like an experience of a blackout. Well, I've had blackouts, uh, but having nothing to do with football. Uh, it's 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 uh, you know the black. It's hard to do a lot with black and gold as your school color sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the problem and and you know Penn State the the blue is, is is a beautiful blue, and I think most people understand what color it is. If you say gold, you you get everything from bright yellow to to old gold and and everything in between. So if yeah. you try to have a stadium that's all gold, it it doesn't look like it matches. I mean, you got mustard in some spots. And so black is the only thing that you can do en masse. I mean, everybody can kind of do black. And the, the fact that it's going to be a night game, and it just kind of it just kind of works out that way. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell is a guy, is a sixth-year guy, who has always had to fight for his spot. What has made him a really good Purdue quarterback? He's really smart. Uh, he doesn't panic. Uh, he is very accurate, maybe the most accurate guy we've had since since Breeze was here 20 years ago. Um, you know, he set the single-season completion percentage record last year. Um, and, you know, he's, he like, like uh, Sean Clifford, he's, he's, he's going to be 24 years old on Thursday night. It's his birthday. So okay. there, there's not a whole lot. Plus, he's married now. So you know that he's he's learning to deal with all sorts of things off the field. Uh, and, and his wife, by the way, is a wonderful young lady who played volleyball at Purdue, mm-hmm. and, and they're, 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 they are now Purdue's power couple. Yeah. Uh, but but Aiden is he's just an unflappable guy. He came here as a walk-on, was depending on who you believe, either the eighth or ninth string guy when he came here in 2017. He came here Brahms' first year, and uh, you know he, here he is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, again this season and and I think he has a chance to play beyond this season at the next level. David Bell not just a good receiver, a terrific receiver and not only that a guy who is great at getting a 50-50 ball. He's in the NFL where he should be. Writes academically ineligible. So where do they turn to in this offense and how concerned is Jeff Ben about Losing a guy that was great at fifty-fifty balls with maybe some guys that might not be as great at fifty-fifty balls. Yeah, and I think that's really a concern, a legitimate concern when you play against a team like Penn State that you know has a really solid secondary and is going to contest a lot of catches. Uh, they got a little bit lucky through the through the uh, transfer portal. Two guys from Iowa that I think are going to play a lot. Uh, probably both will be in the starting lineup, I would think, or at least play a considerable amount. And that's Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. Uh, you'll see Tracy lined up in the slot. You may see him lined up as the running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it'll be similar to what Purdue did with Jackson Anthrop the last several seasons. Right. Yep. Uh, and and then Charlie Jones gives you that that the one dimension that Purdue's not had in recent years, and that is the ability to kick to return kicks. I mean, we are the <laughs> we are the kings of the fair catch, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to change this year. But uh, you know, there's no it, a lot of people have asked, how do you replace George Karloftis? How do you replace David Bell? And the answer is you don't with one person because. You don't have a lot of those guys sitting around. But I do think that uh, they've got enough talent spread across the board, including the tight end. You know, Payne Durham, I think, is going to be a big target this year. Uh, but, but yeah, I think in terms of production and spreading the ball around, it's not going to be a problem. The problem is, can you make those 50-50 catches that David Bell made? And 
that's something that we'll, I guess, we'll start to see on Thursday night. Payne Durham is, I mean, I think you downplayed him a little bit. I think he's terrific. I watch him play. What makes him, when when Aiden needs something, how important is Payne Durham in that moment where Aiden needs something? Well, he's he's a great red zone target. Uh, he had six touchdown catches last year, and, and he's a guy, that especially I think when you get down close to the goal line, that Purdue is looking for. You know, he came from a lacrosse background. He didn't play football until his senior year in high school. So he's got a little bit of that lacrosse mentality. He's a physical guy. He's a little bit of a free spirit. Uh, he's one of those guys that shaved his head in, in training camp and convinced other people to do likewise. Uh, I, I will say that Purdue lost, the, you know, the one loss they had in training camp was Garrett Miller, who was yes. going to be their second string tight end. And uh, I think both those guys, I think Durham and Miller have NFL potential. And especially uh, Miller was a guy that I think, again, down around the goal line was going to be a big part of their package. So uh, you're going to see a lot less two tight end sets than I think you would have had Miller not been hurt. But Durham, is a, he's a good blocker. Uh, he's, he's got sure hands. And he's kind of got that, uh, that lacrosse mentality that uh, he's, he, he's a free spirit out there. And he's, he's a very physical football player. The running game, we know uh, it's been well documented here that Penn State had struggles in its running game last year. Purdue had struggles as well. How do you view it? You know, there's never going to be a balance with with Coach Brown. You know, they're never going to be a 200 yard rushing, 200 yard passing team. That's just not his DNA. They have to be able to run enough to keep defenses honest and to keep them from putting. Uh, you know, really spreading out and, and double covering and, and doing all sorts of things to make it hard for the receivers. Um, I do think the running game will be a little bit better because I think the offensive line will be better. I think it's the deepest mm-hmm. offensive line that he's had. Uh, and the good news from Purdue's standpoint is, is uh, there's a chance that all five guys will be back next year. The left tackle is a fifth-year senior, but he has a sixth-year uh, coming to him if he wants it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a group that, that I think got some continuity last year and now is going to take that next step this year. Uh, you'll see probably two guys run the ball, King Daru, who will be the starting running back. And then uh, the guy that's probably been the surprise of the training camp is, is Dylan Downing. He's a, mm-hmm. yeah. he's a local kid from Carmel, which is just outside Indianapolis. He went to UNLV, transferred back into the state, and he lost about 15 pounds in the offseason, and he looks terrific, and I think he'll be the guy uh, that spells Daru coming off the bench to, uh, Thursday night. Yeah. Defensively, George Karloftis was not a good college player. He was a great college player, and he justified first-round pick. Same story. You're not going to be able to replace him. And then Melvin Grant transferred out. So how does that play out on defense? Well, you know, I think Grant's departure was a little bit surprising. He wanted, I, I think he thought he had bigger territories and bigger pastures to find, and he wound up transferring to Kansas. So uh, you wonder if he maybe had some second thoughts after that was done. Let me put it this way. Uh, that's bigger pasture. Uh, well, so, it is big, bigger pasture. We'll, that's true. We'll, that's leave true. It, we'll leave it at that. That's a technical <laughs> term, but yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think at the set, they seem to be okay at the safety spot. Cam Allen, who played a yeah. lot last year, and Chris Jefferson, a kid who came in from a Division II school, those will be the starting safeties. They brought a kid in from another Division II program, a kid named Bryce Hampton, yep. coming in from Adams State. He'll be the third guy back there. Up front, um, again, they're very deep up front. I think they can certainly rotate two deep, and there are, there are places on the line that they can actually rotate three deep, which they haven't been able to do here for a while. 
they brought a guy in from Murray State that I think they're high on, a guy named Scotty Humpick, who yep. I think is mm-hmm. the ability to rush the passer. Cadron Jenkins uh, had a solid freshman or sophomore year last season, and I think he'll be a force. But, you know, there, again, there's nobody that's going to be like Karloftis. I mean, Karloftis demanded a double team every time. The defense has had to account for where he was. And, of course, that was able to free the linebackers up a little bit more. So and it's, it's going to have to be sacked by committee this year rather than rely on George to get all the pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and how good, though, is Branson Dean on the inside? Dean, Dean Branson Dean and Lawrence Johnson are both really yeah. solid. Yeah. And yeah. I know I heard, I heard Coach Franklin yesterday single uh, Dean out as one of the players on defense. And he's a kid, fifth-year senior from Indianapolis, and he's just kind of, you know, he's, he's a program player. He's, he's developed over the years, didn't, didn't play a lot early in his career, but as he's gotten bigger and stronger and learned the defense, uh, he and Johnson, both fifth-year guys inside. And, um, of course, we have a Penn State transfer, uh, Cole Prevard, from, mm-hmm. from uh, another kid from Carmel, Indiana, that'll, that'll be supplying some backup, too, on the interior. So, uh, yeah, Dean is, Dean is a pretty good player. Best player on defense is Jalen Graham. Yes. Uh, Jalen, Jalen's a guy that's going to play at the next level. He's moved back and forth in his career from linebacker to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume he'll line up tomorrow night at strong side linebacker or Thursday night strong side linebacker, but you may see him drop back at times into the secondary. Yeah, no, that's everybody looks at number six and they go, mm, player. And then there's, there's Corey Trice and there's Reese Taylor who transferred in from – Indiana. I mean, how do you look at your corners? Because I know a couple of them have been banged up and have finally been able to get themselves back in. They really like the corners, but you mentioned they had not, neither of the guys that you mentioned, uh, Corey Trice nor Jamari Brown, have practiced very much this fall. Right. Uh, they'll both play this week, and I, I would assume Trice will start. I think Taylor may get the other starting spot, but you'll yeah. see Brown in there as well, but you just don't know. Uh, you don't know what you don't know, and until those guys get on the field on game night and have to play at full speed and and really test themselves, we'll see how how long they can hold up. If they're healthy, that's a pretty good group. And and Taylor, just as uh, Dylan Downing was kind of the surprise of the, the guy that really stepped forward on the offensive side, Taylor was probably that guy on the defensive side. And you know, he's a kid who was a quarterback in high school, went down to Indiana, and I don't think fit their system very well, and vice versa. And basically, they kind of let him roam a little bit freer and, and just play more freely in the secondary. And, and his, I think you're starting to see his athleticism really come to the forefront. You talked about the return part because, I mean, Charlie Jones is a terrific return. He was terrific at Buffalo, terrific at Iowa. Uh, but then there's the kicking of the ball. There has to be a lot of confidence in Jeff as to the guys who kick the ball because Finneran – is really good. The punter's really good. That's a big plus. Yeah, Finneran had two games last year where he struggled. In the middle of the season, all of a sudden, he got he lost his accuracy. Other than that, he didn't miss a kick all year. Um, you know, the one question I think about Mitchell is his range. Um, they, I've been told he, he connected on a 57-yarder in practice last week, so yeah. you know maybe he's improved his range a little bit, but he's very accurate and very dependable hit the game-winning kick in the Music City Bowl against Tennessee. So he certainly has been able to kick under pressure. Jack Ansel, you know, everybody, I think there's a rule that everybody has to have at least one Australian punter on their yes. roster. Yes, So we went and got ours. Um, yeah. You know, Ansel was a kid that I think, or a kid, actually, he's, he's probably the oldest guy on the team. But he's a guy that frustrated uh, Jeff last year a little bit because he would you would see him boom the ball in practice 70, 75 yards. 
and then he got in the game, and, and he just sometimes the game got a little bit too big for him. And, and there were a lot of 25 and 30 yard punts. And uh, they actually went to a walk on named Brendan Cropsey for, for a few games last year. But Ansel has won the job again this fall. And, and I think they're waiting to see if that year of now becoming familiar with all the mm-hmm. Big Ten stadiums or at least all the atmosphere to whether he can really reach his true potential. Really looking forward to seeing you on Thursday. It's been a little while since I've seen you. So I uh, can't wait to get in there. And this will be a fun game on Thursday night. It's supposed to be a beautiful night. Uh, we got about an inch or two inches of rain last night. I think it's all washed out, so the rest of the week should be pretty clear. Tim, thanks so much, my friend. Look forward to it. Steve, we'll see you on Thursday. Tim Newton, the play-by-play voice of Purdue football. Great to have him on the show today. And I will see Tim tomorrow night when the Nittany Lions take on Purdue at ross Eight Stadium in West Lafayette for the blackout. Kickoff is set for 8.05, and we're on the air beginning at 6.30, and you'll hear it right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Uh, and uh, obviously, I don't mind at all playing a Thursday night opener. That doesn't uh, in any way, shape, or form, because it's on the road. I don't mind. matter to me. Labor Day weekend's normally not the greatest draw to begin with for college football. It's good, not great. A lot of people are taking that last weekend to go out and have a good time. Don't blame you there. The same time, you start your camp a couple days earlier, because you're starting the season two days earlier. And then when you're done, especially if you win it, you got a couple of days on the backside of it to then go through recovery and they get ready for the next game, which will be Ohio University. So I don't mind the Thursday opener because it's on the road. If it's at home, it is a different proposition because 107,000 people now have to make a decision about when do I leave work? Do I not go to the game because I have work? What, do I, what about Friday because I may get back home? At 2, 3, 4 in the morning. That's the problem with a Thursday night game at home. The fact that it's a Thursday game on the road, that's irrelevant to me. me. And I know some people are like, Thursday, they're playing Thursday. Why? You're not going. You You can listen to us, watch the game. right? I know it goes late. I got that. But it's on the road. That's why it doesn't bother me. Now, we may not get back until 3 or 4 in the morning. I know that. But I'm used to it with all the basketball travel I do. It's really 40-plus it, years of this. It's no big deal to me. So that's that's fine. The, the um, players do have to be in class on Friday, but they do have an exemption to be in class after noon. So in other words, if some players have an 8 a.m., 9 a.m., uh, a 10.05 class, whatever it may be, it's been worked out. They don't have to be there because of what time Penn State's getting back. But any class that is noon forward, they'll have to be there. Okay? And that's and that's the way it's been worked out. Uh, and now we'll see. Two six-year quarterbacks. A lot of people think that whichever plays the best, I think part of it's going to be which, you know, Sean Clifford, I think, is going to have the advantage of a running game behind him. And... Purdue will run the ball and just enough to keep you honest. But they're still going to throw the football, I'd say, I wouldn't doubt O'Connell throws the ball 50 times in the game. And especially if they're playing from behind, they'll throw the ball 50 times in the game. 
So 8.05 tomorrow night, 6.30 will be the airtime here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. In the next half hour, we're going to shift gears and go to the NFL. Our old friend Neil Kulong is going to join us to talk about not just the Steelers, but some general NFL news as we're about mm, not quite a week away from the opener, uh, which is going to be what the Chiefs and the... No, so actually the Rams are playing that open. And the first Amazon game is the Chiefs and the Chargers, I think, which I'll finally get a chance to see what Amazon does. All right, Neil Kulon coming up in the next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Final half hour of the show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And an outstanding service department. And we all know that SMC stands for Sunbury Motor Company. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers. Well, you also have a lot of great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians already there, because of this business and how great it is with a 107-year-old reputation to uphold, they need more. They're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body, frame and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you're an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for that all-important first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person. Apply online at sunburymotors.com or call Todd at 286 286- 7746. All right. Yesterday was cut down day in the NFL and also some moves that were made along the way to uh, strengthen teams. The Eagles certainly strengthened themselves with the trade they made with the Saints. Steelers also strengthened themselves when they made a deal as well with the Denver Broncos. And with that, we turn to the man that we consider to be our rock, our rock of Gibraltar. Neil Kulong, sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. You bet. As always, it's uh, it's great to be here. I hope you guys are having a good afternoon. So far, so good. All right. Uh, before I get to the quarterbacks, 
What about the situation with Detroit with Watt getting hurt? I guess Highsmith got hurt too. Any update on either one of them? Uh, we haven't heard anything, but uh, it, Tomlin is speaking now, and he is not going to reveal anything, just like he didn't reveal that his running back had a four-week-long injury for all of training camp. And um, he's not going to announce his team's starting quarterback either. So I'm not really sure what uh, what the purpose is right now. I know there are a lot of other things that are in the works um, among the, the Steelers' operations right now, and we'll, we'll see how the rest of the day pans out. But um, nothing is really going to be revealed um, immediately, I don't think. They've got a week off um, in, in terms of the regular season. They're not playing Sunday, so um, they'll probably rest up quite a bit. He did say uh, following the, the preseason game against Detroit that uh, neither Watts' injury um, nor Deontay Johnson's injury were uh, um, significant ones. So you hope that a little rest and some time off, it just kind of becomes a, a typical, you know, bangs and bumps and bruises, as Tomlin would say, uh, associated with preseason and camp. And they're ready to go against Cincinnati in week one. They picked up Reed in the trade linebacker from the Denver Broncos for a, I don't know, sixth round pick and a bag of balls. Uh, so you know, your thoughts on that pickup? I, I like it. I yeah, think it, a lot of people uh, do. It, it's he's a solid player, and I, I think the key thing um, is you always got to remember when a team hires a new coach, they're kind of going to overhaul everything, and none of the players, short of the ones that they drafted, have significant security. One way or another, uh, every player in the league is is kind of you know made to get cut. So when you get a, a schematic change players who were specifically brought in to play a specific role in the previous defense are kind of a, a liability. Now, everything you, you see about uh, Reed, is he, he's a good football player. He plays uh, with a lot of aggression. Seems like he's smart. I, I haven't broken him down extensively, but it looks like he is a solid NFL player, but he's not going to play in the kind of defense that Denver uh, has right now. And it makes a lot of sense for them uh, to get something. And the fact that they got something for a, a previous uh, undrafted free agent mm-hmm. um, out of out of uh, uh, Nevada. Um, now that they have a new coaching regime in place, that, that speaks pretty highly to what they did to develop him in the, the previous coaching staff, and uh, what they're trying to do as a defensive team now. So Pittsburgh gets to reap the benefits of that. They get a player um, who has clearly outplayed his draft status. He's experienced, he's young, and he's still cheap. And they're not giving up much for him. They, they, you know, you're not going to find many sixth or seventh round draft picks uh, that will have better careers than what Reed has to this point. So it, it's pure upside. It, it's it's a good move, I think, for both teams. Um, and those are the kinds of trades you, you want to see, obviously. If, if you're the Steelers in this case, they needed some depth. Uh, they're getting an experienced player, um, a pretty good one. He's not the, the biggest guy that's out there, but he knows how to play multiple spots in defense. He played defensive end as well as outside linebacker in college when he was small. Um, he, he understands how to play. I think that's the kind of outside linebacker that they need yeah. um, considering who their starters are. Uh, they, they need reserves who can come in and, and play in multiple different packages, multiple different spots. Everything we see of Reed to this point is he's a guy that can do that. And he's plug and play. He's got a lot of NFL experience already and, uh, rounds out the roster well, as far as we know it um, right now, as of 2.27 p.m. Eastern time, 
it's TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Derek Tuska, and uh, Malik Reed. And I, I think that's a solid group uh, for what they were hoping to accomplish. All right, so now let's get to the quarterbacks. And uh, Mitchell Trubisky went 71% in the preseason and did not turn it over. And I don't think people realize that. Uh, we all know what Kenny Pickett did to the tune of 81%. And then there's Mason Rudolph, who did just fine. And it sounds like for the moment they're not going to deal him. Uh, how much is that of we're just not sure yet? And how much of that is we think that what we're asking for, nobody seems to be going for? Um, I, I think... I. By and large, I, I, here's the thing. You, you lay out the whole preseason. What you have was, I, I think, solid uh, production out of your, your quarterback positions with a, a largely damaged protection unit. Now, let's keep in mind, too, protection is not entirely on uh, your offensive line. Right. It's not just about five players. It's about your tight ends. It's about your running backs, and perhaps central to it all, it's about your quarterback. Yeah, it's like, for, have, I'll give you a good example. How many times do, does somebody steal a base and it's actually off the pitcher and not the catcher? Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. The, the execution of that might come from the catcher, but the reality is everything starts with the pitcher. Yep. That's who you're watching. That's what makes you go. Protection itself is reaction to what a defense is doing. The game gets flipped when it comes to the, the offensive and the defensive line. It's the only part of the game in which the defense is attacking and the offense is, is, is defensive. To protect, everybody has to be on the same page and everybody has to be prepared for everything else that's going on around you. It is a, a monumentous task putting all of that together. Offensive line coaches are generally seen as kind of the second head coach of the team. I understand that there are different titles in, in everything that goes with it, but the offensive line coach, as far as the position coach goes, has the most responsibility out of everybody because everything comes down to protection. That includes what the quarterback has to see from what the defense is doing to call out line, call out uh, audibles to the uh, change protections on the offensive line. The tight ends are going to react to that. The running backs are going to react to that. The receivers are going to react to that. It, it, the quarterback stirs the drink, as we all know. But protection is just as much on the quarterback as it is on the offensive line. So it, for, for all of them to come together, it takes time. It takes reps. It's not getting the guys together for a throwing session down in Florida. There, there's just a lot of stuff that goes with it, and it just doesn't come simply in one training camp. And you know how we know this, Steve? Because the Steelers have been doing this for four consecutive years now right. with new offensive linemen, yep. new coaches. Yep. They, they don't have any continuity. And that, that shows all the time. That's where they are. They're, not going to, they're going to be much better on the offensive line in midseason as they will be in week one. And I assure you, it is not going to be good in week one or week two or week three. It, mm. it's, it's going to take them some time. I know that because we had literally the exact same conversation last year. Yes, we did. The same set of circumstances. New coach. There are new starters in there, fortunately for the Steelers. They're not both rookies this time, although I'm not sure how good either is more anyway. <laughs> Might be worse this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. They, they still have challenges that they have to overcome. And it's all stuff that uh, you have to build on. You have to, to, to continue um, developing as the season goes on, you really hope that they can fix a lot of these things, but it, it's hard to change the tire when the car is moving. 
You know, it, it's they didn't have a whole lot of time anyway to do this. It's what they have to do. I just they're, they're going to take some lumps here early, and, and we've seen that to be the case so far. Neil, futuristic view here, in fact. They just went through three preseason games. You and I both know they want to get this to an 18-game schedule. Fair? I mean, they do. Yeah. Right? Which do. means if they do, they would cut down to two preseason games. I mean, are you seeing more or less value in the preseason games anyway? I, you know, there's a couple different ways to approach that. I think it is important to both audition um, your players against other NFL-level competition and to get reps to your players working together to prepare to play uh, in week one and beyond. Both of those things need to happen. I don't know what the right number is. One thing I've noticed yeah. is nobody agrees on what that is. I've talked to plenty of people in the NFL that say five would help more. They want to do more of it and have something more like this is the rookie game. You know, I, I, There are other ways to do it, and they're trying to, to supplement that with uh, inter-squad and things like that, although it literally seems like every single one of those this year broke out in a fight. I, I'm not sure how many more of these we're going to see because clearly they can't control it. And it doesn't seem like it takes much to, to set somebody off and start seeing helmets getting smacked into people's heads. It, it, I'm not sure if there is a great alternative for it, but reducing it, yes, veteran players are going to tell you they don't want to play in preseason games. Fine. There are a lot of rookies, though, that need reps. They need action because at the same time, the one thing we hear about more than anything else in the NFL, as far as the roster development goes, is quarterbacks don't get enough time. They don't get enough reps. We have Chris Oladokun, I think he threw five passes in live scrimmages for the Steelers, and he got cut in the original group. You don't know what's going to happen to him. He was a draft pick. I mean, he's a low draft pick, but right. did he really get an opportunity? I'm not saying that he's the greatest player in the world or anything. I was one of the few who actually knew who he was, considering he, he played for NDSU's rival this, this past year. He probably didn't have a great opportunity to really develop and put that on the field. You're a pro. you got to take a lot of that upon yourself. They don't do it for you. I get it, but... Is this league going to be damaged by developing more quarterbacks? I, I really don't think it is. Not when you, you take a look at what's out there by about week twelve, oh. you, you'll see the value of it. You can't have a minor league system; it's just simply not going to happen in this sport. If, I think if you had, you know, maybe split squad types of games, you play your second and second year and younger guys in one game, and your vets in another game, or simulated scrimmage or whatever they can get more reps to more guys and put more eyeballs out across the rest of the league and, and see if there are players that go above and beyond uh, what you thought they were going to, giving them more opportunities uh, to rise up or you know, perhaps more opportunities to, to tell on themselves and show that they, they don't belong there. Um, it, it, I think that's important. I don't think two games does that. I'm yeah. not sure, though, if it's three, one, five, whatever. I just know that, it, to, to your original point, yeah, it's getting another regular season game, which is really where the money is, they're going to have to trade another preseason game. Mm -hmm. And I think there will come a point where the coaches are not going to be all that thrilled with it. And the coaches are the one voice of all this we never hear from. Right. They're league employees. They're really not allowed to talk to anybody about these kinds of things uh, in all that frank of a manner. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I just think that to, to some point there are younger guys that need 
opportunities to develop. And for me, that's always been what the preseason is about. In my opinion, this will be the last last topic. Uh, in my opinion, the 49ers did a smart thing by bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. And I also feel like the Steelers are doing a, a smart thing with not dealing Mason Rudolph yet because of what you just pointed out. By week 12, the hodgepodge of quarterbacks – I hate using hodgepodge in Pittsburgh in the same sentence after Dennis Eckersley. The hodgepodge of quarterbacks in Week 12, I mean, this to me, this makes a huge statement about the depth of that position in the league, Neil, and how fragile it really is. I, there, there really isn't any overall and to a point where Mason Rudolph, as it sits right now at one at, at 2.35, p.m. Eastern time, uh, Rudolph is on the Steelers team as a $3 million backup playing on an extension. And we know, as we've seen with the Steelers the last couple of years, there is a tremendous drop-off between your starter and your backup in, in most cases and most teams in the NFL. There are teams that it's statistically, I don't know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but statistically, if you start three quarterbacks in a season, the odds of you making the playoffs are like minuscule. They're pretty much nothing. And I, I think there's a connection between those two things. If it's injury or it, more often than not, it is an injury. It's not an effective play. They don't shuffle to the third string guy without an injury. But it, overall, if you're going that deep, uh, your team is not all that competitive anymore. It doesn't work that way anymore. The quarterback is just too valuable of a position. And because of that, there is very little room to break in in any way other than the draft. So I, I would think there'd be money to be made. There'd be interest in something that would better develop or continue to develop. Perhaps you call him a, a late blooming quarterback. I mean, Kenny Pickett, nobody was talking about him two years ago. He's a first round pick this past year after putting up a, a phenomenal senior season at the collegiate level. There are other guys that might have been like that that didn't have a chance. You know, they 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 did they developed too late. The school they went to wasn't known enough. Nobody was going to give them a chance. The ones who do get it, they get signed. Uh, you know, it, after the undrafted free agents uh, due to rookie minicamp, they're showing up with the the main team to throw passes to to fellow seven stringers that aren't going to make the team just to keep the practice going. They're not getting anything substantial, in my opinion. I I would think you'd want to allow them to keep developing unless you're going to tell me that it's reality that quarterbacks reach their peak when they're 23 years old. At that point, you're either a starter or you're not. It just simply can't be the case. Not when there are so many of them who clearly just aren't very good um, playing midway through the season due to injuries, due to ineffective play, due to a variety of different reasons. I would think everybody would benefit by giving at least the quarterbacks uh, you know, some type of, of post-college academy, uh, internal type of, of competitive environment that, you know, maybe you could charge for and, and get some interest in. <laughs> Allow guys to get more time than what they are able to get during a regular season in the NFL. That, that's, that's all I'm saying. Always a pleasure from our Rocket Gibraltar. <laughs> I like that one. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong joining us on the show today. Thanks so much, Neil. Yes, it is our rock, our rock of Gibraltar. What a great job he does all the time. All right, so 
We take a look at the NFL. We had Tim Newton on today previewing Penn State and Purdue. We took a look back at the longest game with Nellie Gillis. We had John Crispin on the show. Had a lot of fun today. Now it's uh, time to head to Lafayette. Off there tonight and then tomorrow night, it'll be the opener when the Nittany Lions take on Purdue. The talking season's finally over. It's time for the playing season. It is the season opener. It's going to be a blackout at ross Stadium. I've seen scarlet outs, white outs, maize outs, so, right, whatever. Um, and, yeah, there was a blackout at Maryland. Maryland actually had a blackout, so it's not the first one I've seen of it. And it'll be tomorrow night. We'll find out what they got in the tank. Aiden O'Connell can flat-out play. No getting around it. I'll give you one important factor defensively, or excuse me, offensively in this game. It's going to be Penn State's ability to be cover zero. What does that mean? Purdue blitzes, and they blitz a lot. Ron English sends people on almost every single play. When you're facing a team that is blitzing, of course, we always talk about the ability to pick up the blitz. But there's the other element. It also means it's straight man coverage in the secondary. Can you beat the man coverage and beat it off the line of scrimmage? And if you do that, you can get big plays in this game. And that's going to be one of the important elements of tomorrow night's game that I think will be absolutely one of the keys. And, I'll, and when I do my keys of the game tomorrow night, that's going to be it. I'm going to talk about the ability to beat cover zero, right? Which means you have to pick up the blitz and then beat the one-on-one coverage because Penn State's going to get a lot of it tomorrow night. That's where having a 60-year quarterback, I think, pays off. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Best of tomorrow. Back with you on Friday here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.